0: What's going on everybody? Welcome to the first post-game edition of the Bills Beat Podcast here in the 2018 season. Yes, it's only the preseason. Yes, the Bills played basically a meaningless game, but we are here for you regardless. Because today, the Bills and their fans got to see a whopper of a debut. That being the man that everyone came to see. Austin Prohl. No. No. Of course, Josh Allen, uh, the quarterback. You got Austin Prohl on the mind, do you? <laughs> well, I mean, it's uh, it's been a tough summer for Austin. Yeah. You know, in a lot of different respects. It sure has. <laughs> and anyway, uh, as as always, as you just heard, Matthew Fairburn of the Athletic is uh, here with me on on this rendition of the Bills beat, and you know. I wanted to switch things up tonight and talk about something we haven't really talked about uh, throughout training camp so far. And that's the quarterback position, because I feel like we owe it to everybody. Now, I know we talk about it every time, but that's where everybody's heads are at at the current moment. We saw Nathan Peterman finally, after the shroud of secrecy, has was uh, taken away just moments before the, uh, the 7 o'clock kickoff between the Bills and Panthers. We saw that Nathan Peterman was, in fact, the starter tonight, getting all of the first-team reps. With Thank the,
1: God they kept it a secret. I know. It paid off.
0: The Panthers didn't know what to
1: do. They they were like the Peterman. The Peterman can. The Peterman Peter did. Nine for nine he started. He
0: did. And uh, Would
1: he have done that if they had known it was coming? I don't know.
0: None of his ten attempts that uh, counted hit the ground. How about
1: that? That's a very Nathan Peterman-like way to go about your business.
0: <laughs> well, Nathan Peterman started the day. A.J. McCarron came in with the second team offense. And then Josh Allen got the entire second half. Before we delve into the realm of Josh Allen, let's go over the uh, the first two gentlemen of the evening. Now, I, uh, I don't know about you. I, I thought both of them had their moments. I thought, you know, Peterman definitely looked – a lot more confident than maybe we had seen him in training camp. Uh, I thought he was delivering the ball with, uh, you know, the the intermediate stuff. The he was delivering it in stride to players, and you know, I thought it was an an overall good showing. A, a good, I guess the term that I used was exercising of the demons. Um, for what happened in Los Angeles, even though he still kind of started a game against the Annapolis Colts, the snow game, but he got injured halfway through and had to leave the rest of it. But no one really rem- remembers him from that game. So it, he came out here and provided a much uh, stronger view of what he is to Bills fans than maybe when everyone remembers him last. And then A.J. McCarron, you know, I really liked his poise in the pocket. I thought he was hitting his receivers in stride. And it was it was they were pretty close tonight. I gave the slight edge to McCarron because I liked his work like negotiating the pocket more than anything. I know some fans disagree with that. Uh, they thought Peterman was better, but you know I thought all in all it was a strong enough day for the two of them and I don't know that uh, the performance of either will and the fact they they both were pretty solid will make the bills try and reinvent themselves and what they're doing with the quarterback competition. I think from this point forward, we're going to see more of the same because they, they found some pretty good things with both.
1: Yeah. I think what, you know, watching all three quarterbacks, there wasn't too much that changed tonight because I think Nathan Peterman and AJ McCarron both showed that if needed, they are capable of starting when the regular season opens in Baltimore, one or the other. I think Josh Allen showed that he probably won't be ready. Mm -hmm. But I also think that Josh Allen showed it's going to be really, really difficult (laughs) to keep him off the field Mm -hmm. for too long. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's week five, week eight, week 11, whatever it may be. I think he's going to see the field at some point unless this team is surprisingly competitive because of either Nathan Peterman or A.J. McCarron. I think they both played well. I thought Nathan Peterman played really well. I thought Kelvin Benjamin played very, very well. He was a bit motivated today, um, I'd say. Yeah, a little more motivated than perhaps he usually is. For preseason uh, games, anyway. Yeah, and I think they both looked fine. And the offense in general... Looked pretty good. Uh, The scheme, I thought, you know, they're obviously not scheming up too much, but they're still running plays out of their playbook. You know, they're not – they didn't break out Rick Dennison's playbook for the preseason game, though that would have been quite a tactic. Mm -hmm. Um, They are using their scheme, and I I thought it all looked pretty good. The offense was a pleasant surprise for this team, but I don't think you're sitting here – after this game, saying, "Well, Josh Allen, he's probably going to start," you know, because he didn't gain any ground. He may have lost ground by way of you know the way the other two quarterbacks played. That said, Josh Allen, he's pretty fun.
0: Yeah, he he really is. Um, I I didn't think it would take this quickly to turn into Josh Allen, but hey, here we are. I mean, we get it's it's what everyone is talking about. The stats, 9 of 19, uh, there were at least two drops. I don't know if you can call the the one to Austin Prohl later in the game a drop. It seemed like there was a defender there. Uh, there was a couple of throwaways in there as well, but 9 of 19 by the end of it. One just horrific play in which every... <laughs> Every clip from Wyoming you saw pre-draft was there in that fourth and two where he extended the play, extended the play, but then whoop, tried to whip it at the last second as he was being whipped to the ground. Did uh,
1: his best Matt Sims impression. Yeah,
0: not ideal. That's that's the old, hey, Josh, see this play? Never effing do that again, the, From for, probably from the Bills. Um, I mean, they like that he keeps the play alive and keeps his eyes down the field. But, hey, if you're getting whipped to the ground – why don't you just tuck that sucky, sucker and uh, and live to fight
1: another day? You never want to look like Matt Sims. <laughs> General good rule of thumb as a quarterback, don't do right. what Matt Sims does. Which, by the way, Matt Sims loves Josh Allen. I think it's Chris
0: Sims oh, you, who loves listen. Josh Allen. <laughs> you're right. You're absolutely right. But
1: Matt Sims might love him too.
0: I'd imagine, know. since both Chris and Phil love Josh Allen, that Matt – also loves Josh Allen.
1: I like to think that since Chris and Phil both love Josh Allen, Matt Sims hates him. <laughs> is, why, do you think Matt every is family's just, got a contrarian? Do you think Matt is, think is just Matt at is, odds with Chris and Phil? Is I like this? to think so. I, I mean, I'm sure I know he's not, but I, I certainly prefer to think of it that way then. Th- then it's just a family love affair over Josh Allen.
0: <laughs> hey, Matt, if you're, if you're listening, call us up. Let us know how you feel about Josh Allen. We don't have a phone number for the podcast, but hey, tweet us. How about that? At Joe Biscaglia or at Matthew Fairburn. Let us know what you think about Josh. We'd love to know. Anyway, the, the game today, you brought up an, an interesting point where you thought maybe Josh Allen might have even uh, lost some ground in the competition for the starting job. I do think that that uh, was the case just because he made more errors than the other two guys, and that's to be expected in someone's very first game in the NFL. But I also think that he did enough extraordinary things, that, and I'm thinking of three plays in particular, uh, that in my mind shouldn't rule him out him out completely from the idea of him winning the starting job. And it's probably far-fetched. It's probably not what they're going to do because we heard what Sean McDermott said on Tuesday, but I don't think he ruled himself out completely just yet. The three throws that stood out like a sore thumb to me, no, it was not the incompletion, even though I know uh, Bill's, a lot of Bills fans were fanning themselves after that 59 air yard throw uh, down the left sideline to Robert Foster, which maybe? a little bit more catchable than we thought? I don't know. I'd, I'd like to see the end zone angle before anything. But the three throws that stood out to me was the throw over the middle to Ray-Ray McLeod where he froze the linebacker in his spot and allowed McLeod to get get past and, and hit him in an, anticip, in an anticipatory throw uh, right as the zone opened up for McLeod. It was a big-time gain over the middle of the field. That was a, a great shot. The other one was again to McLeod on the touchdown pass where he zipped it in right between the cornerback and and the safety and coverage there, a total zone beater. And then the third one was the play right before the touchdown where he rolled right after nothing was available down the field, kept the whole thing open, and and then chucked it to Kari Lee, gave him a chance to make a play, and the linebacker wasn't ready to jump with him. Lee rose up and and brought down a ball that nobody else could get and that's just another example of Allen keeping plays alive and even when he's throwing off his back foot and thing and and things of that nature he still has the ability to complete those passes. So those are three examples of plays that I'm not think I don't think that we're seeing out of Nathan Peterman or AJ McCarron anytime soon and
1: that is that, right. Unless one of them just develops an arm sells
0: their soul to the devil and and has gets an
1: arm i made this comment i think it was when we were standing in the tunnel uh me you and tim graham were standing there and i said when was the last time a quarterback had an arm like this because i mean i think he has the strongest arm in the nfl he could he very well could of guys that I've I mean there are guys you know Patrick Mahomes has a big arm there are other guys with big arms but to see what that type of arm and a willingness to use it can do I I've mentioned this before even if he's going to make mistakes which he will Mm -hmm. if he hits one or two of those big throws every game those flip the field if that throw to Robert Foster if he comes down inbounds which a better receiver probably should. Mm-hmm. You talk about the first one. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that the field is flipped mm-hmm. right away. Mm-hmm. I mean, a and first down. The Kari Lee throw is another one where you know instantly you're just the game changes. Man, that was good. And I mean, he makes those throws look way too easy. Mm-hmm. They should not look as easy as he makes them look. It doesn't even look like he's putting everything into it when he throws at 60 yards. I mean, it is a legitimate flick of the wrist, and it's down there. So he definitely, I mean, like we've said all along, he is the most talented of the three. He's going to make the most special plays out of the three. He's, you know, going to probably have the lowest moments of the three, too. I think we saw that tonight where he – he did at times look you know, a little bit uncomfortable, and yeah, he probably could use some time on the bench. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for him. I just think it's going to be hard to really keep him on the sideline all year long mm-hmm. when you know he has that type of ability because think about the fact that the Bills made a quarterback change midseason last year in the middle of a playoff run when they were getting adequate quarterback play but it wasn't the passing offense just wasn't doing enough it's really easy to envision a scenario where this passing offense gets stagnant at some point during the season and if you want to spark 17 is going to provide it yeah in a big way
0: yeah I'll say I mean just I mean even something as little as this late in the game okay the uh when Josh Allen took the Bills down and scored a touchdown, not even to tie the game, just to put them within one score in the first preseason game. Who goes out to greet him at the 20-yard line, the 15-yard line, off the off the sidelines? LaShawn McCoy. I mean, we've we've made note of this before that McCoy is invested in Josh Allen. He sees some special traits there. And McCoy doesn't, I mean, McCoy's an interesting guy, but he doesn't always invest himself in that way with his quarterbacks, and I think he sees the potential there, and I, and it's hard not to because when you see him make the types of throws that he does during practice, and y- you just think to yourself, man, if, if he can do that in an actual game setting, then they're going to be flying, or if, let's say – He's not as consistent, and he has those down moments that we talk about that he definitely had. One of which was the fourth and two, what the heck are you doing, Josh moment, and also um, the throw before the Kari Lee one where he just tossed it. uh, I think he tossed it thinking it was a different route to Ray Ray McLeod, and the defender nearly picked it off at around the five yard line. When you have, you're going to have those moments, but when you have those special things it's hard not to gravitate towards those i mean fans are definitely gravitating towards josh allen and i mean all of all they have seen many of them not all of them many of them a 19 pass sample size and of those 19 passes guess what fans are already coming in droves to defend josh allen they are in love with his arm because i think it's it's a bit of a a double whammy here one because you see the talent and two because and i tweeted this earlier today that he's essentially the antithesis of Tyrod Taylor and we knew that going out and you know it's one thing to hear it from people but it's another thing to actually see it for yourself and i think that's what a lot of fans went through went through this evening with with seeing him in a bills uniform tossing around the rock for the first time in a professional setting. The Duke, if you will. So when fans see such a stark difference from what they have grown accustomed to with Tyrod, with Ryan Fitzpatrick, with Trent Edwards, with EJ Manuel. I mean, Manuel had an arm at least, but he just never used it. When you see a guy who has the arm and is willing to use it and in special ways and in the don't give an F sort of mode sometimes that you need as a quarterback. Fans are excited about that and for good reason. But you have Sean McDermott who is willingly playing the role of wet blanket here and saying, look, he's exciting. Really Really like him taking those chances down the field. But... We're going to do this the right way. That's essentially what the message he's trying to to come across with. And, you know, I don't know what the right approach is here. Part of me thinks, hey, he does some special things already out there. Let him fly. And the other part of me says, well, they do kind of have a crappy offensive line. Do you really want to subject him to that right away?
1: Well, it goes back to what we talked about earlier in the week, which is it's hard to really know where he is when he's doing all of this against third-team third, third team defense and while playing with the third-team offense. Again, these are Cardale Jones reps. I keep going back to that because – How dare you keep bringing we, up Cardale like this. Because Cardale and is almost – I mean, somewhat similar. Uh, not quite the same level of prospect, but, you know, the big arm was there. And Cardale Jones had – his bright moments in the preseason. And he did it against a third-string defense most of the time. So I think if you're going to give yourself an honest evaluation of Josh Allen heading into the season, I think you have to start seeing him against at least the second team.
0: Yeah, but would they ever do that? I don't know that they're necessarily going to do
1: that. It's part of the problem they've created by – having a competition between two guys for essentially it seems like two guys for the starting job AJ McCarron and Nathan Peterman two guys who are not the future and I think you're blocking Allen from getting some valuable reps not to say he's wasting his time with the third team by any means but eventually he needs to be getting better reps than that and I don't know if it's going to happen this preseason. Maybe it will. Maybe Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott are sitting over at the facility right now, and if anyone, Brandon Bean, is probably trying to talk him into getting some better reps. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't know that it's going to happen. And I think you need that before you can say if the guy's ready, right? You know, for or when he'll be ready. And I think that's still the dilemma here is how do you evaluate everything you see when it's coming in the context of him playing with a lot of guys who are going to be on, on the street, looking for jobs and a lot of, you know, playing against guys that are going to be cut as well. I mean, it's, it's a tricky, tricky situation to, to read through. I wonder if
0: maybe part of, this you know again the shroud of secrecy around the quarterback position and their intentions I by the way I asked McDermott again tonight I'm like well since you went with Peterman tonight and you have been steadfast with your quarterback rotation would it be safe to assume that AJ McCarron is in good position to start the second preseason game and he said, I know where you're going with that, Joe, but uh, oh, we're going to review the film and, and go from there. I'm like, they basically played the same out there. It's it's not as though Peterman stunk up the joint or McCarran stunk up the joint and the other one did amazingly well. I mean, you've been rotating first-team reps the entire time. Why wouldn't you just, you know, I I guess, I, I don't know, I, I, but – What do I know with with, uh, developing quarterbacks or trying to do it? what do you know? With a three-quarterback competition. I I don't know anything, I guess. I know nothing. I'm sorry. But I think what they might do is in that third preseason game, I wonder if they give him a couple of first-team series just to get that base of where he's at. And I know the first-team reps have gone away the last – Four practices, I believe, but I wonder if they start getting him back and acclimated with getting well. They've one said set again.
1: They've said all along that after the first preseason game, the plan could change, could right. change, whatever that means. So I think maybe not tomorrow because I expect tomorrow will be a fairly light, yes. uh, uneventful practice. Maybe not tomorrow, but I would think by Sunday. If this plan, this grand plan is going to change, it will have changed by then. And that would mean that either Josh Allen gets bumped up or he's at least mixing in a little bit more uh-huh. with either the second team or the first team. Now, I'm not pretending this is a simple situation where you just bump them up. I mean, dividing up reps gets complicated when you're trying to have a competition. Oh, yeah. And you're also trying to get one guy ready. The easiest way to do it is to just stick Josh with the threes while the other two bounce back and forth, and you figure out which one is your better option because you know they're competing for the same job, which is the caretaker you know, keeping the seat warm for Josh Allen and then being his backup. And I don't know if that means they're competing for one roster spot necessarily, but they're competing for one job and so that makes dividing up reps a little bit tricky and all the more reason why you got to figure it out. You got to, you know, figure out w- which one of these guys is going to, you know, keep the seat warm uh, while Josh Allen gets ready because the sooner you can start getting Josh Allen more valuable reps, the better off he's going to be.
0: Yeah, no, it, and I totally agree with you there. I think they they're in a rough spot here because I don't know that there is a perfect answer for them here. They want to develop him the right way, but they also want to give him first-team reps and see if he's ready, but at the same time see which one of the other two are going to be ready-ready to start the 2018 regular season, all the while needing to prepare for that actual regular season. It's a, it's a very complex situation that they've kind of pinned themselves into. But that's by design. That's their own doing. This is, this is what they wanted with, with their plan. And now we're here where McCarron and Peterman both looked at the very least competent, if not above average this evening. And then you've got Josh Allen on top of it uh, showing off his arm and showing that he can actually do some things. This is this is not going to get any easier for them. I, the it's not as though I think part of them is saying, "Great, all three showed they can play tonight." tonight. But another part of them probably thinks to themselves, "Well, it probably would have been easier if one of these guys stunk up the joint, so that way we can kind of go about our business and and figure things out as we're going here." But that, that's just not that's just not what happened and. That's, I know it's going to be frustrating for fans because they want to see the progress of Josh Allen now that they've actually seen him. But I, I think I think patience is going to have to win out here for, for fans. And, you know, it's, it's tough to hear probably because you saw the, the natural talent that exists and you probably haven't seen natural talent like that in a quarterback in Buffalo in quite some time. But, you know, this is... Uh, I think I think the Bills aren't uh, aren't going to back down from this one, and that's that's what they have to that's what they think they have to do anyway.
1: Yeah, and I think it's I thought Josh Allen looked maybe better tonight than he did at any point during the first part of training camp.
0: Yeah, I will agree with that.
1: And maybe it's just seeing him in in a game setting, and you know the fact that he was doing it against a, another team, and you know in the context of of a game with the bright lights and everything else but he made four or five throws where we haven't really seen that in training camp. I mean, he's making good throws in training camp, but some of the, the things he was doing out there tonight, it just makes you wonder how long they can, you know, keep him on the bench and know. how long they can stay patient because they know that that the fans are hanging on his every pass. They know – I mean, they see what everybody else sees, and they know eventually players are going to get to that point too where they're excited uh, about getting the young kid into the game. So it'll be an interesting preseason. At the very least, Josh Allen's going to make this preseason more fun than most because generally you get you know a quarter with the guys that matter, and then the rest of the game is just – a bunch of backups going through the motions or fighting for various spots on the bottom of the roster. Now it's if Josh Allen's going to play a half every game, we're going to have plenty to talk about.
0: Here's what I think the flow chart was for the evening from like a fan, I guess, paying attention level. Right at the beginning, fans are like, all right, let's see it. Haven't seen him for the first time. Pay attention to the first couple of series. Then you start to flick around on your phone. <laughs> start to mess around a little bit. A.J. McCarron comes in. Maybe you pay a little bit of attention for that. Then go back to the phone. But once the second half came around, every offensive series I think people were glued to what Josh Allen would do next. And they were hanging on every single pass. And – you know that that's fun. I I haven't experienced that as a as a beat writer. I mean, they drafted EJ while I was here, but I, I don't know that the intrigue on EJ was ever quite the same as it is for Josh Allen. So I I think I think the Bills. Uh, I'm with you. I don't know how long you can keep him down when you see special traits like that one. When you see special traits, you don't want to. Just say, all right. Hold up, hold up here. Just we gotta, we gotta make sure everything's in order before you get in there. I, I, I think they need to, uh, I think they should give some further thought into heck, even bumping them up to the second team one one time or again. Why, why the heck not? All right. Uh, before we get into some of the other individual performances from the evening against the Carolina Panthers. I wanted to get it to the what we're working on portion of the program, and Matthew, you wrote a really interesting piece with some perspective from from some Bills players on what we saw tonight, uh, Brian Dable's offense, and 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 you can find that on the Athletic right now, right?
1: Yeah, on the Athletic I put a story up this afternoon, right right before the game, about Brian Dable's offense, and. I got the perspective of defensive players because generally offensive players aren't going to tell you too much about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially these quarterbacks are all three of them uh, keep it as secretive as possible. Brian Dable isn't you know very talkative um, in terms of sharing different philosophies and things like that. But the defensive players all kept bringing up the Patriots as a team you know that was very similar to what they were seeing in practice every day with the motion and the different sets with wide, re- you know, running backs out wide at wide receiver, Kelvin Benjamin lining up in the slot in almost a Gronk-type role, and a lot of what they do to help the quarterbacks identify coverage, various things like that. Gets into the weeds a little bit, but I think keeps it uh, easy enough to understand and it, it also pairs well with the piece that Eric Turner did, uh, breaking down some of the tendencies that Brian Dable showed early on in training camp practices. So you can find that on theathletic.com. I just did a big old wrap-up of this preseason game, and Tim Graham is lurking in the shadows with a few uh, few stories Isn't of his always, own as though? usual. He, he always is. He'll have something tomorrow that I think people will enjoy. Um, and you can find all that at athletic.com and there is still – time to get yourself 40% off if you go to the athletic.com slash bills beat that'll get you 40% off a year's subscription if you haven't signed up what are you waiting for <laughs> right I mean I'm a subscriber Joe signed up
0: yeah I've, I've been a subscriber before the, the Buffalo uh, go on get you some
1: yeah. 40% off yeah,
0: yeah. well uh, yeah and also while you do that also head over to wkbw.com if if you could. Uh, I as well have put my seven observations from the game. Um, it's, a, it's been a uh, tradition post game for me for a
1: very long time now, and you know, mm, and, and not seven. Seven is unique to seven, I think. Is
0: it? I don't know that it is. I
1: think I did. You'd have, have to, to dig into the archives. I think, but well, <laughs> I think you switched well, all my, to seven. All my work
0: uh, from GR—they—they um, they changed systems, and so it's gone. <laughs> well, it's, it's as though I never worked there.
1: So I guess we'll have to take your word for it. Yeah,
0: or don't. Whatever you want, <laughs> it's fine. I'll—I'll I, I'll live either way. But uh, at wkbw.com, you can find my seven observation. Wow, observations from the game. It is almost two in the morning. You can tell by the way I'm speaking. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, we, we also did the old pregame and postgame action before and after the Panthers game. And, of course, each day there's a practice. you got plenty of uh, content up there as well. Okay, um, you brought up Dable's offense, and I think that is one of the more interesting parts to this evening because not only did we see an offense that wasn't predictable – but it was borderline fun. And, like, in a preseason setting, when you're not really showing all that much, that's not all that uh, common, <laughs> I don't think. And I, I don't know if it's a if it's a case of we were just
1: bludgeoned by mediocre play calling all it throughout 2000. I think it 100% is. It, it, it's, it probably is. It's a night and day difference between Rick Dennison and – Brian Dable, and that's why it looks so much different. It's like I said, they're not scheming for this game. They're not busting out all the tricks that they're going to show during the season. Nor should they. But they are using their playbook. They're not using Rick Dennison's playbook. So that's why it looks a lot more fun. They're in the in the shotgun a lot. They're. Like I said, using a lot of motion, lining running backs up out wide. It was Traveris, Cadet and Marcus Murphy tonight. We saw Kelvin Benjamin in the slot tonight, which is a really good way to take advantage of his size and playmaking ability. We've got something going on on this television that <laughs> I can't.
0: A inflatable frog just ate a human.
1: Is this Mark Cuban's show?
0: I I guess maybe. I don't know what's Not happening. Not Shark
1: Tank. Mark Cuban is on this show. Though.
0: He's on the show, and the guy from This Is Us is also a guest on the show. Oh, it's the gong show. Okay. Uh, makes well, sense. This is uh, my word. Anyway. Anyways, the I Bills offense derailed. was not the gong show tonight. <laughs> Great transition.
1: But, yeah, they do a lot of different things, and I think if, you, if you're if you going to have any optimism about the Bills offense in 2018, I think it it starts with the fact that, Brian Dable might just have the ability to scheme up some production out of this group, regardless of what you think of the talent level. Kelvin Benjamin, four catches, 59 yards, and a touchdown made it look easy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, when you have some of the pieces that they have and the way they move them around, it helps the quarterbacks because, you know, you, set, you keep your running back out as a wide receiver, then you bring them into the backfield – Depending on who moves, you can identify whether it's zone coverage or man coverage. That helps uh, a quarterback. You don't get that. The The quote that stuck out to me when I was working on that story was Lorenzo Alexander saying, well, you know, it, it helps us. You know, you know, we have to communicate a lot more and, and be in our checks more than if an offense just lines up and is stagnant Hi, was the word that he used. Hi, and I just thought <laughs> stagnant. What a great word that I wish I would have used more on – to describe Rick Dennison's offense, but that's more of what you're going to see is is what they showed out there. And look, they didn't have Zay Jones, Corey Coleman, Lashawn McCoy didn't see the field, so there's a lot more that they can do. They're they're just getting started, but I think what you saw is uh, somebody who understands how to take advantage of matchups and put together a passing game, which is a breath of fresh air.
0: Yeah, I just I loved the unique factor to it where. You know, I mean, we've seen different styles of offenses come through here in the past, you know, seven, eight years, but none of which have really, like, pushed certain uh, players outside. It's it's mostly been players staying within their normal roles and, you know, seeing guys like – and you pointed them out – Kelvin Benjamin lining up where, where he has. Marcus Murphy lining up out wide and in the backfield. I mean, using – double tight end sets, splitting out tight ends, and, you know, using slot receiver, normal slot receivers on the outside. I mean, these are just ways to try and create disharmony in within the defense. That's going to be something that the Bills will hope helps them you know, bridge the gap a little bit until they actually get some real talent on the offensive side of the ball here. So, uh, you know, Brian Dable made a, a strong first impression, and Probably a lot of that has to do with it's completely different from Rick Dennison, but you know, it's a good change. And we'll see if the numbers or if his scheming can help, like I said, bridge that gap to see if they can get some things going here. How about um, tonight? We'll go through here in the, in the last uh, stretch of tonight's wrap up pod. We'll do uh, one player that really impressed you. And one player that, you know, you thought really had a tough time. We'll start with one player that really impressed you. I'll, I'll give you a first shot here.
1: I would say Marcus Murphy would be my first choice. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, most people would say that preseason games are pretty, you know, useless and they don't mean a lot, but it means a lot to a guy like that. Mm-hmm. And he spent time with all three units for second and third, and I think he touched the ball like 15-ish. 11. 11. 11 for 65. And had a touchdown, was just running hard in between the tackles. You know, he's thought of as this undersized third down back, but I think he's starting to show that he can be a little bit more. And just handling that type of workload and being on the field as long as he was Mm -hmm. and playing as strong as he did from wire to wire, I thought that was the most noteworthy performance of the night outside of, you know, the the big names and the quarterbacks.
0: Right. And you know what I like about Murphy is the fact that, you know, they are lining him up a little bit of everywhere, plus the fact, hey, if you've been listening to us – You'll know that Matthew has been waxing poetic about the virtues of Matt Marcus Murphy for quite some time now, and you know, for good reason. He's got some speed to his game. and and definitely, catches everything. He does. He does. He's always involved with the office. I believe it was right after the minicamp you, you pointed out just how many times that you had written down the number 45 in your notebook, and it was an astute observation, and it's it clearly worked because – he came into camp. He was behind Tywan Jones. He's now ahead of him. I think he's even pushing Traveris Cadet for that um, third running back job. And you look at him, what is, what is the main difference between him, uh, uh, LaShawn McCoy, Chris Ivory, Tywan Jones, and Traveris Cadet? Marcus Murphy isn't pushing 30 years old. He is really the only younger guy that shows a tremendous amount of upside for this upcoming season. No slight to Keith Ford, who runs hard, but I don't think he's ready for a 53-man roster spot just yet. Maybe a practice squad guy if, if he plays well enough in the preseason. But Murphy, to me, is showing like he can actually make an impact. And when you look at how they're setting up this roster and what they're trying to do with it, I don't know if you're necessarily going to have Chris Ivory be a guy that's going to line up if LaShawn McCoy gets hurt and run the ball 25 times for you. You need that difference in running style. And I think Marcus Murphy is a lot more like LaShawn McCoy than he is uh, like uh, in running style to Chris Ivory. And I think they need that that sort of switch to it. And also, Murphy's playing more special teams. I mean, there's a lot of factors that lead you to believe that Murphy not only is um, – a candidate to be a 53 a member of the 53 man roster he might be getting close to safe with how involved he is and how much they like and trust him
1: the only thing that makes you wonder is the fact that he was on the field for so long right but i think he's you know you hear sean mcdermott talk about him you hear some of his teammates talk about him and you think yeah he's he's a guy that's going to be hard to cut
0: yeah yeah i like marcus I, I think i think i think he's a he's a strong competitor and i'd like to see what he can do going forward all right one guy that i like tonight tell you what he saved his best performance of the summer for this evening ray ray mcleod you know he i'm um,
1: trying to tell you all you guys
0: hang on he oh, has he's bagging on Ray Ray. No 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 no. You it is for good reason that uh, Ray Ray has drawn the ire because, you know, in training camp he's getting himself open. He's dropping passes, he, he's muffing punts. I mean, that's that's not okay. But in the actual game this evening, he was targeted I believe four times. One of them was not catchable. Scored a touchdown on one, had the was the recipient of that saucy throw from uh, Josh Allen over the middle of the field. And uh, then I believe he came down with, with another catch. So I think he had three catches in, in total. And, you know, you know that – when you have a guy who – or when you have a position where you are trying to find some, some people that can make plays to make your roster, you need performances like that. And I think McLeod went a long way in helping establish himself a little bit. And I wonder if he's going to get some second-team reps because of what he did tonight. Because, I'll tell you what, I didn't hear anything from Malachi Dupree tonight. You know, Austin Prohl dropped a pass, maybe even another one. Uh, Robert Foster had five targets alone from Josh Allen and, and didn't have a single catch when Josh Allen was on the field. Dropped a pass all of these guys that we're talking about about trying to get out of uh out of like the the muddled bubble of what i've been calling it really it's only ray ray and brandon riley with this 59 yard catch today that stood out for good reasons so i like i like mcleod i think he's uh He's been consistently getting open in camp but hasn't been finishing the play. The fact that he finished the play in the biggest setting of them all will go a long way for him in their final decision about whether or not to actually keep him on the 53-man roster. I think he's on the right side of it at this moment.
1: Yeah, I think he has a chance, if only because he does things differently than the other guys that they have. Mm -hmm. And – You know, you can do more with him than you can the other guys that are fighting for maybe the sixth spot at wide receiver on the roster. I think it's going to be probably a tough decision when it comes down to, you know, the sixth – if they keep a sixth receiver or, I don't know, if they decide to keep seven, whatever they may decide to do.
0: Six seems like the sweet spot Because Brandon Riley had a
1: really nice play for 59 yards – today um, on a nice nice throw from A.J. McCarron. He and Ray-Ray McLeod are probably fighting for that sixth spot. I agree. Because if I had to say who did not impress me tonight, you mentioned two of them, Robert Foster and Austin Prohl. We've talked about them before. I thought Robert Foster in particular, and I'm not going to get on him for the play where he was out of bounds or even the one that he maybe could have dove for. Uh, on another Josh Allen long, it was pass, like three and a half yards ahead of. But him. But to be targeted five times and come up with zero catches, he just never seems to make the difficult play. Mm-hmm. He'll make some of the ones that he should make, but he doesn't seem to make any of the ones that you know you don't expect him to make. You know, he and I just think he's almost assuredly not going to make the team at this point yeah
0: it it, he would need a strong turnaround in a big way and you know along the same lines I mean player that that did not impress me this evening it's got to be Austin Prohl for me I mean he had a it was third and four I believe it was Josh Allen's first series and hit him right in the hands hit him right in the gut he couldn't have asked for anything more. Just blew it. Absolutely blew it. Dropped dropped the pass right then and there. He's he's struggling. I mean, he's got to be pressing at this point. He's not getting targeted in, in training camp. When he does, you know, things aren't going smoothly for him. I think he's got maybe like one or two catches total in team drills in 11 days of practice. I mean, it is it does not look great for him right now and that's that's a struggle because you know this is a guy who was on top of the world during the spring because he was making tons of plays you know developing a chemistry with Josh Allen felt like he was on his way to have a a good training camp but it, it was just another case of one of those spring wonders and you know he dropped the one pass today the other pass that he was targeted I don't know if I would call it a drop but he definitely got his hands on it it was a 50-50 ball, and, you know, good receivers make those plays. And, you know, it might have been a little bit tough because it was, I guess, a tad behind him, but still, at the same time, make a play. You're out there. You're given this opportunity. You're given a target. Was Malachi Dupree even targeted tonight? I don't even think he was. You are given nope an opportunity. Make a play. And he didn't. And so I got to give – Prol, um, a guy that did not impress me tonight, and you know I've been harsh on him, been harsh on Foster too, but those are two guys that quite literally have shrunk in in the confines of this summer, and that's got to be a disappointment for a lot of people, definitely on the Bill side, but I'm sure from a fan perspective as well.
1: Do we get? Preseason, come on, Darlene's. Is that? A, is it? Yes. Is it time? I to was bring just it about back? to say
0: it is time. It's we're time com- to bring it back. Darlene didn't tweet at me tonight. I'm I'm concerned. Dar, well,
1: it's preseason. Darlene doesn't care about the preseason. That's she true. saves all her energy. She's got for the regular she's season. She's got. She's got better things to do. I should hope. I wish I'm I'm I. Had gonna, I'm gonna to I'm gonna check in on Darlene's
0: Twitter right now.
1: I'm sure Darlene. I don't know what Darlene would have been doing tonight, but probably something better than watching preseason football. I don't even know. As entertaining as it may have been.
0: I don't even know how to look her up. Let's see. I'll find it. But go on. I'm
1: having a tough time coming up with my come on, Darlene. Part of me wants to center it around the Kelvin Benjamin, Cam Newton situation (laughs) in some way, but I don't know who deserves – the come on Darlene more because I think they're both acting a little bit silly, but I can't pass up a chance to give my come on Darlene to our good pal, John Waro, who could not for the life of him connect to the internet during the first half of the game, (laughs) which is not the first time John Waro has not been able to connect to the internet but man was he having some trouble and he was worried about whether he was going to be able to file if he was going to have to use his hot spot it was it was getting ugly thankfully he made it back online for the safety of everybody in the press box and so that he could fire off his crucial in-game updates on twitter but come on darlene come on world i know it's the preseason but Get that laptop figured out. Get yourself online. Got to be able to file those gamers. Come on now.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, it's a strong contender. And for- if you're
1: worried about my safety because I've brought Warrow onto this podcast, he doesn't listen to podcasts, so he'll never know. We also discussed Warro, I think it was either the last one or two podcasts ago. It, uh, Did we? I,
0: yeah. Be, how? It was the last time we were here. Because oh, yeah, normally right. we were in the safety of a coach's booth, but uh, but yeah. Waro's not here, by the way. If he was, you'd probably be hearing him swear under his breath up about three rows ahead of us. All right. Um, let's see. My come on, Darlene, for the evening. I didn't even think about this. I should have thought about this. My come on, Darlene, for the evening – Is Sean McDermott waiting until 6.22 p.m. to announce the starting quarterback for the first preseason game of the year? And then he didn't even announce it. I mean,
1: it was just a – Actually, let me get the direct
0: time just just for the absurdity.
1: It was just in the normal lineup card. It was in the normal lineup card. Lineup changes. Here we are. Nathan Peterman's the quarterback. 6.17 p.m. Nathan Peterman starting at quarterback. How about in a – in addition to piggyback on that was his quote after the game of why was Nathan Peterman the starter it was we felt it was the right thing to do at this time <laughs> Boba asked Sean, that question. which Sean McDermott is an expert at repeating your question back to you and pretending that he gave you an answer which is a just terrific PR strategy and it if you don't catch on to it. And it, it works right. most of the time. Uh, when I asked him, I did not quote him in my story about Brian Dable, because when I asked him what Brian Dable does to challenge a defense and how it could get them ready for the regular season, his answer was, Brian Dable's offense, You know, they do a lot of things. That will really challenge our defense and prepare us for the regular season, <laughs> such as. But that's what you know. Go the answer on. to the to the quarterback question was well, yeah. We felt it was. oh find the exact quote because it's. It, it was quite uh. It was not enlightening. It was uninspiring, as uh, our old friend Sully would say. Um, and yeah, I mean, you don't need to be waiting until. Oh, actually, here it is right here. Ooh. Um, why was Nate Peterman the starter tonight? You know, first of all, all of those guys have been great, Nathan, AJ, and Josh, in terms of communication and understanding and respecting the situation here. I just felt like it was the right thing to do for us right now. Ooh. All right. Well, duh. Well, yeah. Well, what, if, what if the question was, why was Nathan Peterman the starter? And he said, well, I thought it was the wrong move, but I figured I would try it anyways. <laughs> yeah. Screw it. It
0: it blew up in my face last time, but I just wanted to try it anyway. No, I, it's, and it's maddening because it's probably going to happen again
1: next weekend too, isn't it? Sure, I'm, I mean, and it's also the preseason. So on one hand, you say, who the hell cares? And then on the other hand, you say, well, yeah, who the hell cares? Yeah. Why don't you just name the starter? It's not – Why don't you tell the guy? I'm also, like, wh- what was interesting was – are you going back to Sean here? There's a quote from Nathan Peterman where he says, Yeah, he told us two or three days ago.
0: Which means it might it, it might it, have it been, been right after
1: the practice that he talked been. to us. It might have been, but it might have been before that. Who knows?
0: <laughs> if it was if it was actually three days ago. If it was three days ago, then Sean, then Sean he was not truthful.
1: Told a little fib.
0: Yeah. If it was two days ago.
1: And it does, again. It could be two days ago. But it, it's just funny, that uh, the timing of it all. We're talking about a preseason starter. Again, preseason starter that I don't think anybody cares about because everybody just is in a hurry to see Josh Allen. Yes. So yeah. um, just playing either the way, here. yeah, that's a very worthy come-on Darlene uh, to Sean McDermott. And it
0: may happen. well be the come-on Darlene after the Browns game, too. It Who knows? Who knows? We might vary it up. Moro
1: won't be there to not connect to the internet, so. <laughs>
0: I will I will text to check in on him to see if he is connected to the internet uh, during the Browns game. Which, by the way, ooh, Tyrod Taylor.
1: National Television. Baker Mayfield. Hard Knocks. Hard Knocks. Corey Coleman against his ex-squad. Man, this is going to be good. It's Tuesday, good. Hard Knocks. Apparently they were filming in Corey Coleman's apartment right before he got traded. Perfect. Pretty good. Pretty good first episode of Hard Knocks. I did not see it. It was not bad. I uh, uh, I fell fast asleep around like ten fifteen that evening. It beats Jeff Fisher and Jared Goff. <laughs> I could um, see that. It the Browns are just interesting with Baker Mayfield, Tyrod Taylor. Here's my Hugh question: Jackson. Is Hugh tolerable? Hugh. Well, oddly enough, Hugh is a very sympathetic figure. He lost his brother right before camp and Mm. lost his mother a week into camp. And he becomes a very oddly sympathetic figure in the first episode. But he's also oddly, he's just odd, Mm -hmm. I think, actually, is the better way to put it. Because, you know, he tells his assistants about his mom and his brother passing away. It's evidently the first they're hearing of it. And he. They're like, oh, well, you know, it's kind of like weird, hushed tones. And then he just goes, they're watching film. He goes, yeah, and here we've got some inside zone. <laughs> he just goes right back to it. But there's a couple scenes of him breaking down in his office, crying. and Wow. Um, but he's also, he and Todd Haley are butting heads. And a lot, of, it's interesting. I think they're just a really fascinating franchise right now. Hugh Jackson, Todd Haley, John Dorsey, the quarterbacks. Uh, Jarvis Landry is super good character for the show. I saw uh, some.
0: I saw some uh, summaries thinking to themselves, "Man, there's no way Hugh Jackson lasts like halfway through the season based on what we saw."
1: Yeah, that you might tell be me. Too I, I much of a it. conclusion to okay. jump to, but he and Todd Haley were kind of going at it in, a, in a meeting, which is to be expected. I mean, this is Todd Haley after all. But yeah. it's a it's a good it seems like it's going to be a good season and it has quite a bit of relevance to the bills because you know tyrod taylor's there the Corey coleman trade coming up on the next episode they're going to play the bills in one episode and i think even just baker mayfield is interesting because let's face it i think bills fans will be watching all the other quarterbacks closely from this draft and even though Mayfield was the number one pick, he's one a lot of Bills fans were hoping they could have had. So I think he'll be uh, a fascinating guy to watch Yeah, uh, this whole, you know, as everything unfolds the next couple of years.
0: It's going to be a weird thing for the Bills this coming weekend because, or I should say next weekend, um, because when you have in a game like tonight against the Panthers – you're the only team with a flashy young quarterback, so you're like, "Oh yeah, Josh Allen. I mean, let's watch him throw passes." But in the next game, you have Josh Allen throwing passes, but then you've got Baker Mayfield, and if Baker Mayfield looks better,
1: then I think we've, we we have a little the bit potential of pressure for on, hurt on feelings. Josh Allen a little yeah, bit, sure. Um, just because you know you're going toe to toe, not only with you know, Baker Mayfield, but you're kind of... Except Josh Allen won't be in the game at the same time as Baker Mayfield. He'll have gone in the game after the fact. But you're also kind of going toe-to-toe with the guy that you replaced in Tyrod Taylor. They moved on from him in order to get to a prospect like Josh Allen. So it'll be... I mean, that is a big stage Mm -hmm. for sure. Yep. And really the main question is... Will either of us get any FaceTime on Hard Knocks? It's possible. You never know. Passing by the cameras after the game, they don't use that many shots, but keep your head on a swivel. You could get some FaceTime.
0: I will say, I think the Bills' um, video staff might be doing something on Josh Allen. Well, they're doing their – behind the scenes right thing and i did notice that as matt bovet and i were doing our post game in the uh the press conference room this evening the one guy was literally taping us and taking sound on us the entire time uh-oh as we were talking about josh allen my word what well, have what we were done saying nice things maybe i don't know because i never know what comes out of last year
1: conference. doug peterson put together a big compilation of Mean media guys saying mean things about the Eagles Good. to get them jacked up. Good for games. Fine. So you don't want to end up on that tape.
0: I, it's or it's, maybe you do. It's 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 fine. I I tend to uh, find both the positives and the negatives when it comes to this football team. Anyway, uh, so it's it's all going to be uh, quite uh, fun to track as as we march forward here and. The Bills now have a, uh, a light day on Friday. Technically, it's Friday right now. It's 2.22 in the morning. We're still at uh, New Era Field. Um, and then they've got Saturday off. Then four more days of training camp at St. John Fisher College. Then it's over. Just like that. Feels like it's kind of flown by, but dragged on all at once. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Anyway. All right, so uh, that's going to do it for us in, in this episode of The Bills Beat. Thank you all for joining uh, us, however it, it is that you found us, whether it be Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, or on Stitcher. The next time we will talk to you will be after their final training camp practice when camp breaks on, I believe it's next Wednesday, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. And then they go on the road for the first time in the preseason to take on the Cleveland Browns, the Tyrod Taylor's, the Baker Mayfield's, the Hugh Jackson's, the EJ Gaineses. Okay, maybe I took it a step oh, yeah, too EJ far. EJ Gaines. Yeah. It, if you notice that Tyrod Taylor pass uh, to Jarvis Landry in the back of the end zone in one of those practices, it was over EJ Gaines. Just to just to let you know. Anyway, but yes, the EJ Gaineses. So, for Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic, my name is Joe Biscaglia. Thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you next week. See ya.